the blast from our past network. Flooding tunnels over that ridge. We'll get in that way. What was your job when you were based here? Sanitation. Sanitation? <laughs> then how do you know how to disable the shields? I don't. I'm just here to get Ray. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> oh, really? You're cold? <laughs> Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we are continuing our Star Wars franchise walkthrough with Episode 7, The Force Awakens. These episodes make me so happy. Dean, welcome. Uh, how do these Star Wars episodes make you feel? Uh, also very happy. I also feel very happy coming into them. I get very excited when I'm watching the movies, and I get uh, very excited looking forward to being on the episode. So I am, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I, I feel like you should be introducing a guest now, but I guess that doesn't happen on this one. No, this one, there's no guest. Yeah, we had we had one. We had a guest for three Star Wars in a row. Yeah, yeah some of them we have guests and some of them we don't. Uh, nobody wanted to talk about this movie, so there was nobody available. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but yes, dude, dude, Star Wars. All right, when uh, yeah. when a Star Wars episode comes around... The clouds in the sky part and the angels yeah. come down, Dean, and the trumpets start playing. And I just love it. I, I'm so yeah. enjoying our Star Wars franchise walkthrough. It's been so much fun. Even the, even the bad ones are good. I think there's a song about that. Even the bad ones are good. Um, I'm just having a blast. Yeah, same. I, I love franchise walkthroughs. Fran watching franchises is my thing. I love it. I love watching franchises. And this is Star Wars. This is like the one. I, it's not like my number one franchise, but it's, it's sure as dang close. You know, I love every single movie in the franchise. So uh, as as a whole, it's got a lot to offer. Yeah, well, I know you love franchises. You you started a new podcast dedicated to walking through franchises. That's how much you love walking through franchises. That's how much I want to watch everything in a franchise. I want to watch every single movie. Yeah, totally. Um, this Dean, this sequel trilogy, this is the part of the franchise I wasn't really looking forward to when we started this walkthrough. I was like, oh my goodness, we're going we're gonna to watch three movies I love. And then three movies that are some of the best movies ever made. And then, uh, then it's just going to be like... Right, right, right. Because there's a lot of negativity around this sequel trilogy, but I'm finding, Dean, that 
the more time that passes and the more I get away from judging what these movies are, I'm just enjoying them a whole lot more. Hmm. Tim, that reminds me of another trilogy they call the prequel trilogy. Oh, for you. For everybody. Everybody hated those movies when they first came oh, out. not me. And I, then I, I think, like them. Okay, well, okay, you and me liked them, but I feel like the there was this cloud around them that everyone hated the prequels when they came out. And then over time, we you know, people started to reclaim them and been like, oh, no, wait, I do like them. I, I do like these movies. I feel like the same thing's going to happen with these sequels. They came out, everyone was excited, and then they're like, wait, are we too excited? No, 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 yeah. we don't like it. Right. And I think now, I think it's going to come back around. I watched this movie, Tim. It was fucking great, okay? It was a great movie. I loved it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a fun movie, man. It's fun. It certainly is. Uh, The sequel trilogy, it wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't what I wanted. But they happened. They were made. They're Star Wars movies. And because of that, there's fun to be had. And yeah, on this recent rewatch of The Force Awakens, this is the most I've enjoyed this movie. Awesome. That's great. I, this is, um, I've always liked this one, but, uh, I, I haven't necessarily liked all the movies in this sequel trilogy. Um, but after watching this one again, this time I was like, I think when we get to, there's one particular I didn't really like, I think when we get to that one, I'm going to be able to stomach it a lot better this time because I I already started to think of the things that are to come while I was watching this one. And I was like, I think I'm going to be okay with some of those things. So I'm excited, uh, I, I was a little, I was a little worried getting into this sequel trilogy because I wasn't sure how we were gonna go about it. I wasn't sure if you know we were gonna be um, just uh, trashing them the whole time or what was gonna happen because I did enjoy them. So I was, I was just worried getting into them if I would still enjoy them. And I really enjoyed this one. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to kick it off right now. Yeah, I don't really want to trash anything. Like that's not, not, that's not the vibe I want to go for with these Star Wars movies. Also, I love Star Wars, so like, why would I be trashing yeah. it? Like, it's, yeah, I get it. You can put you put the best movie in the franchise against the worst, and there's a huge gap. But it's not worth you know bashing it for. Even the bottom of the barrel is still a fun movie if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, yeah, for sure. Th- there isn't really like one big thing um, or big things in this movie particularly that bother me. But there's a lot of small things, and I'll touch on a few of them as we're going. But yeah, sure. I feel like the things that didn't work for me were on a smaller level, but there were lots of small little nuisances okay. for me. Um, yeah. But we can get on it. I'm just going to say like yeah. a few things that I didn't like. But you know, overall, I just want to talk about the positives of this movie because there's a lot of them. Yeah, no, I think it's cool to talk about the things that didn't work. A couple things didn't work for me as well. It's not a perfect movie, that's for sure. Um, but there are just so many things that I loved about it, so many things that I think really succeeded. Um, it, it's one that is easy to watch again. This the second watch this time, I mean, it's never really tough for me to do the second watch. I just love movies. <laughs> I usually enjoy when I watch it the second time before the podcast. But this second watch, I couldn't wait to get to it. It was, it was easy to get to. Cool. Well, released in 2015 with a budget of $306 million, this movie grossed... That's a lot of money. ...just over $2 billion. Yep. Wow. Huge. Huge. Wow. And Tim, what's it like? It's like over 900 domestic, like something that I think might be untouchable. 
Like, I don't know if, like, just in, just in North America, over 900 million. That's a lot. I don't know. I don't know if that can be touched. It's been close. You know, Endgame got kind of close, but still was like 80 million off of it. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if that can be touched. Yeah, something will touch it eventually. Maybe. Such a phenomenon. Yeah, amazing. I get it, though. I get it. Yeah. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Written... By J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan, and a Michael Arndt. Cinematography by Dan Mindell, and music by John Williams. Hmm. Now, after Revenge of the Sith, Dean, George Lucas said he wasn't going to do any more Star Wars films, but that didn't mean that he wouldn't let someone else do them. So he sold the rights to Disney and entrusted Kathleen Kennedy to take his place. He attended early story meetings and advised on the details of the Star Wars universe, and he turned over his story treatments for episodes 7, 8, and 9, which Disney discarded, and because of that, Lucas had no further involvement. Okay, yeah. Seems like a mistake. I'm fine with it. <laughs> well, well, how can you be fine with it? You don't know, like, what his original treatments were. Because I like this. I, I, I like what they're giving me. I like the direction it's going. Well, this is the man who did the OG trilogy, so he's proven himself to be better than this than the sequel trilogy. Well, yeah, but also in my mind, he's proven to be worse, which to me is the prequels. Like, I like them. I, I do like them a lot, but they are at the bottom for me. So it's... Whoa. He's, he's done the best and he's done the worst for me, so... Whoa. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think it's really dumb and it really annoys me when people don't take the advice of someone who makes the thing. Like when someone writes a story and then someone else grabs a hold of it and tries to turn it into something else. Why do you think you can do better than the person who did it in the first place? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know at you least mean. I don't know if it's that. At least take some of his ideas into consideration, you know. I Sure, I get it. But like if it's so Star Wars, uh, you know, just like a lot of male characters, not a lot of female characters. So I get it. If they get a script, if they get three scripts from him and they're all male characters again, they're like, well, we're going to change this. We're going to do something else. Because um, I, I can just see there's things that they would see in that script and just be like, you know what? We'll go a different way. Not that they're, you know, not that they're things that are horrible for the movies that already happened, but just directions they didn't want to go. And I, I get it. I get but it, it too, Not yeah. saying that those, yeah, not saying that those would have been bad. I just, I don't know if it comes down to you're dumb and I'm smart. I mean, I also get it like if you're going to sell your company to someone else, you don't really get to tell them what to do anymore. You know? Yeah, also true. Your, yeah. your chance to do what you wanted to do is out the window. And, yeah. you know, it's his fault for not wanting to make them in the first place. Exactly. So, yeah. I'm glad he passed the torch. And I, I do realize that what Disney was trying to do was make this available for an entirely new audience, which Lucas probably didn't care about, wouldn't have gone for. So it is what it is. Yeah. So the movie was obviously a financial success and was also nominated for five Academy Awards in the editing, effects, and sound categories. And The Force Awakens had the highest grossing opening weekend up to that point and was the fastest movie to reach a billion dollars. Cool. 53 days it reached a billion dollars. What? Yeah. That's ridiculous. 53 days. That, less than two months bananas that's i can't even i can't even imagine that like my brain doesn't understand that number before i looked at that number i was thinking like 120 days 160 days yeah. maybe yeah 
At least two months. <laughs> At least 60 days. <laughs> At least 60. Give me 60. Nope. <laughs> and the Force Awakens, Dean, it sits forth all time on the highest grossing movie list. Cool. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Can you, you, you can guess what the other three are, right? I think you know this. The top three? I yeah. think I can do, I the, think top you can do the top three. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, number one is uh, number one is Avatar. Number two is Endgame. And number three is Titanic. You got it. Nice job. Yes. Yes. Nice job. Now, Dean, it's been a little bit of time, but we're going to get back into our listener comments for this. Oh, nice. Got some things awesome. to chat about here. What did our listeners have to say about the sequel trilogy? Because it is a very polarizing trilogy for certain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I did want to throw out a comment, Dean, from uh, Carson, because we didn't get to do this last month when we were talking about Return of the Jedi. But he did share with us who his favorite character from the franchise was. And Dean, who do you think it was? From Return of the Jedi. We missed it on Return of the Jedi. Who's his favorite character who's his favorite character of the franchise uh, bib fortuna dean take this seriously man okay bib fortuna. that's not anybody's favorite character <laughs> okay <laughs> um let's think here um hmm uh let's go with uh let's go with boba fett no sorry lando no that's wrong boba fett i'm gonna go with boba fett okay no his favorite character is luke <laughs> And specifically Luke in Return of the Jedi. Okay. Oh, that and, makes sense. I, mean, I should have went with that. I don't know why. I, I don't know why that. you didn't either. It's Return of the Jedi, dude. And, you, I know. and your I first thing is for... Bib Fortuna? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a trick question. It was some sort oh. of sick deep cut. No, no. Well, see, because I was wondering why we would only talk about it in Return of the Jedi. But that makes sense because Luke, we talked about it. Luke is so much different in Return of the Jedi. It makes sense that like Luke in Return of the Jedi would yeah, be your Luke, favorite. Luke in, in the Return yeah. of the Jedi is his favorite. I think a lot I of also loved Luke I mean, in that movie. What a great character in that movie. I think a lot of people yeah. would agree with Carson here. That is an absolute yeah. great call for favorite character. Him, for sure. Him dressed in all black with this vibrant green lightsaber. Um, the mix of like good and bad that Luke is putting on in that film. Like he's he's yeah. both good and evil in a way. Uh I think it's a great choice. So thanks, Carson, for uh, sharing that with us. Our buddy Matt Kaler, Dean, he had some positive things to say about the sequel trilogy. He cool. he pointed out how great the movies look, especially The Last Jedi, and I honestly could not agree with him more. Everything about this movie and the sequel trilogy looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of visuals, so if a movie looks really, really good, I can be quite forgiving as long as my eyes are enjoying themselves. And totally. that is definitely a shining point in this movie. So uh, what do you think about the visuals? I 100% agree. I think these next three movies look incredible. I think this is actually the worst looking one of the three, which, and it's amazing. Like, I love how it looks, but I think the others are even better. Like, I think we're just going to even get better with the next two. Um, I totally agree. It just, it looks, it looks fantastic. And they do some really cool things with, um, with like the colors and, and contrasting them and just, 
how uh how like dusty and dirty you can make the world look but still you know it just it still looks so good um yeah i i'm a big fan of how these movies look yeah well i like your point about this being probably the worst looking one because i think you're right (laughs) as like bizarre as that sounds i think you're right but yeah i mean it looks dusty and dirty but also uh, it's the opposite of that because some of the the starships and the space stations, yeah. they're so clean. Like you could eat off the floor. So yeah, totally. Th- there's yeah. just always a great dynamic. I love of Star Wars is you know the contrast in environments. But yeah, very cool. Thanks, Matt, for the comments. Tony from uh, the Remote Takes podcast. He really enjoyed the Last Jedi and didn't understand the backlash it got. Uh, Here you. Yeah, Tony, tune in next month and maybe we can help out with that. Sharing some of the background. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Not kidding. for me. I'm kidding. Not for me. I, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, though. I will say, next month, we are going to have a whopper of an episode. It's going to get hot. It, it, there, <laughs> I think there will be some arguing going on and some yeah, yelling. Yeah, we got a couple uh, special guests coming on the podcast. Don't miss that one. That is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm going to definitely be wearing uh, wearing my helmet for that one. I feel like there's going to be some shots fired my way. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that goes. But back to Tony. He thought the trilogy did half of what it set out to do, which was reaching a new audience. Um, but he wanted to see more planning going into the beginning, middle, and end if they do another trilogy. So it sounds like he wasn't really a fan of the way that, you know, the arc that this, you know, the the three movie arc that this took. And I definitely agree with him here. For me, I thought these three movies felt like they released, they were released one at a time and then they gauged the audience reaction to them and then pivoted based on criticisms uh, that they may have heard because it doesn't feel like as cohesive as the other trilogies did for me. So, um, that's what do you think about that? I totally agree. I think that all comes down for me. That all comes down to the third one, um, completely pivoting off of um, the you know the, the 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 second one. The Last Jedi goes in in a weird direction that is not expected, and then I think they try to pivot hard by bringing Abrams back for the third one, and it just makes it not feel. It doesn't makes it, yeah, not, not cohesive, not together. It just makes it feel like the last movie's try to right a bunch of wrongs at the movie before it, that it thought it did. Um, that's totally what I get from that movie. Um, so as someone who likes The Last Jedi, that's why I had some problems with the last movie, Rise of Skywalker, because it feels like they're trying to just correct a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, it just doesn't feel quite quite as tight. So I totally agree with that, that comment from Tony. Yeah. So thanks, Tony, for uh, your comments as well. So Dean... The Force Awakens is set 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. And my comments at the end of last episode of Return of the Jedi, uh, my comments were that the film, I kind of wished like this, this Force Awakens film had the Republic still in power. We chatted a little bit about that. But 30 years has passed, and that's a lot of time. That's a lot of opportunity for things to happen. And some of the... Most important events leading up to this film come from a book called Star Wars Bloodline, where Leia is on track to become something called the first senator, which would be like a single senator with more power than the rest of the senators. Okay. Um, 
kind of like getting back to like Supreme Chancellor in a way, that would help move things along in the ever stagnant Senate. I guess they're still having problems in the, they're always having fucking problems in the Senate, right? You fucking can't get Senate, anything man. done in the Senate. No. But a spy sitting in their discs and yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a spy from the first order instead reveals to the Senate that Leia is the daughter of Darth Vader and she's ostracized from the Senate and unable to save the failing Republic. So she and some of her best soldiers go off to create the resistance. And this takes place about five years before the force awakens. So the material is out there. Um, they just decided to jump a great distance ahead in time from the Jedi to the force awakens. So while I like my comments, while I wish the Republic was in power, I understand there's so much time in between there that there's a lot of opportunity to maybe fill in the gaps later with other movies. Um, you know, this book is sharing, you know, other content as well. And I'm very curious about some of that other stuff, but I understand why the Republic isn't in power, you know, now that it's 30 years later. So, yeah. So Tim, my take on this movie is that the the Republic is in power, but they're stagnant. So two different, two different groups have, have arisen. So the first order is still, not they're not in power they're still just like a group that has risen and is fighting back against the republic but the republic is still doing nothing about it so that's why the resistance forms that's the way i saw it the republic's just like in the middle doing nothing and these two groups formed out of it yeah i don't know what power the republic is in i get the feeling that they have as much power as anybody else in the senate which sounds like it's not a lot uh okay. it sounds like the republic if they are in power, they're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. But but I think the empire, the empire, I think is still in power, right? And and the first order is this, like, piece of that. So I just think they're like in power, not doing anything, and the first order are like a terrorist group, and then the resistance is like a group of people that have branched off because the republic won't listen and won't do anything, so they've branched off to create their own, their own group that's going to fight back. Right. That's the way I took it. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Yeah, but. They, they aren't clear. Just that's what I kind of made up in my head as I was watching it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair take. Yeah, that's not really the yeah. way that I look at it, but there's yeah. nothing really to say one way or the other. So no, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. So our opening crawl, Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. Yeah, what I like about this crawl is that uh, it sets up that like there's this first order and they're you know they're they're big already and they want to kill Luke Skywalker. They want to kill the last Jedi. So they they still like everyone buys into like the magic and the wizards of the world. Like where as in the original trilogy, it was it seemed like it was sort of like that was a thing of the past, you know, and like they didn't really respect Darth Vader all the time and just like oh you just have all these tricks. I like now that it's like okay the first order is number one order of business is kill the kill the last jedi out there because then we'll then we'll have the power so i just like 
I think we're going to touch on it a bit more in this movie even, but just that everyone's buying into, um, you know, the magic of the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So we start off with an ominous ship. Looks like, you know, a powerful empire is back here. I love this opening sequence. Uh, I think it was a great way to start out this new trilogy and is probably my favorite scene and the most excited I was in this entire movie. Uh, just seeing Kylo Ren for the first time, hearing his yeah. voice, witnessing yeah. his power. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah, his power. His his like his stopping of the of the shot of the blaster shot. Very cool. You know, something we never thought of. We've seen yep. Darth Vader deflect them very easily, but we never thought of actually stopping it in its path. Very cool. Uh great opening. Cool stuff with stormtroopers. Oscar Isaac's funny, you know, they bring the humor right away. I think it's I think it's a great opening. Yeah, like Kylo often uses the force without showing us he's using the force, which I like. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. put your hand out to stop a laser bolt. He's just doing it and then he can continue on doing other things, just holding it in place. Very cool. Yeah. I thought the yeah. stormtrooper armor looked great. Their masks Same. especially, really, really nice yep. uh, upgrade. And Kylo Ren's ship. Oh my goodness. This is just one of my top ship designs in Star so Wars. So cool. I love it. Uh, loved Max von Sydow here and the mystery that they build with him. Knowing yep. that him and Kylo have some sort of a background, like that'd yeah. be a, that'd be really cool. I, I could have watched half an hour on these guys' background and their history, For sure. but they just talk yeah. about it, and then Kylo still kills them. It was great. Yeah. So I'm really on board with this opening uh, until they do something that actually you already said that you liked that I really didn't like, and hmm. it was where Poe gets captured by Kylo, and he mocks Kylo Ren to his face. Right. Oh, love it. Um, that's a problem for me. This is one of these small things that I'm talking about that causes yeah. me problems in the movie because mo mocking the villains, the good guys mocking the villains hasn't been a thing in Star Wars so far. Evil has been treated with great respect and fear because it deserves it. And I think it's one of the things that keeps the stakes feeling high in these movies and they broke the mold here. Sounds like a small thing, but it really affected the viewing for me. It let me know right off the bat that the tone and the overall vibe of this movie was going to be different because you can laugh in the face of like this this mega villain. Yeah. Um. So I a couple things. I do think I do think Leia does that to Vader in A New Hope. I think she's not very respectful to him. Um. But also, I do think that is a something that happens in this movie. It's not enough respect for the First Order, and it's and it's just something that carries on in their movie multiple times where like Finn is going to have to remind people that the first order are badasses and the first order will kill you. I don't think there is enough respect out there. And so I think it starts here. It starts with hotshot pilot just talking back right away to the guy who's in charge. I think it's, I, 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 I understand that it's, it's, it is not respecting the big baddie. And I think that's what they're going for. I think that is the, that first order doesn't quite have that reputation that the empire had they don't have like the the backing of the emperor behind it so people aren't really afraid of them yeah that's fine like i i get yeah. that and i get that leia you know had some things to say to vader i think she realized uh the position she was in she was a diplomat uh i think she yeah. realized that not a lot could happen to her i think poe's in a little bit of a different situation here um 
just don't think there's any reason that Kylo couldn't have just chopped his head off there other than the fact that they want Poe in this movie. If that wasn't Poe, if that was another character, he, like Kylo would have just killed him for that. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, he can't he can't kill him. He needs he needs something from him. So he won't kill him. That's also something he does in this movie. He doesn't kill people that he needs things from. He needs the map from him. Yeah, of course. But, you know, eventually it, it could have been very possible that he is offended by the way Poe talks to him, kills him, and then goes about trying to find the map another way. You know, it's completely possible. Anyways, I guess whatever, we're going yeah. on too long on this. I'm just saying this yeah. didn't work for me. Sure. Yeah. You're trying to build like a really great villain right off the bat. And there's someone laughing in his face. And that immediately makes me feel a little bit jokey about this Kylo Ren guy. Oh, you can do this. You can laugh in his face. It's not a big deal. Uh, and he's not as menacing as, you know, maybe he, sh he should be or could be. Yeah. We see one of the stormtroopers starting to have second thoughts about killing. And then we meet up with Ray and this whole Ray scene, man. Uh, I really like this scene. Uh, I would have loved to have spent more time inside that abandoned Star Destroyer. I think it's such a cool idea, such a cool location. Uh, yeah. I do think that was underutilized in the movie. We could have gone to like some sort of base in there. We could have had a lot more time spent in there. Because it's just such a such a wicked idea, but they uh, they it was very cool. didn't yeah. do anything with it. Yeah, I don't mind this whole Ray reminding us of a young Luke aspect. Like I, I know this movie's very strongly paralleled with the New Hope. Uh, I didn't mind it; like they tweaked it enough. Um, I, yeah. I like that Ray is waiting for her family to come back. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like that's why she's staying on the planet, whereas Luke wants to get yeah. off so bad. Um, totally, yeah. Ray wants to stay. Yeah, I think there's I think there's like there are parallels, but like there's just so many different types of characters that it makes it OK. Also, it's OK if it is just paralleled like Tim, we love the franchise. We love Jaws. All we got to have is a shark terrorizing people like they're just doing the same thing over and over. It, I don't think it has to be the most the most different idea and the most different thing. It's OK to for history to repeat itself, you know, to go back to the well and do the same type of setup and i'm with you i think it's different enough that it doesn't it doesn't even really feel to me like it's a it's a copy it feels more of just like it's a you know a tip of the hat it's like this is just happening again here you go it's another character that you know is going to um you know start at the lows and then go on a journey i i think it's i think it's totally fine i think what really changes in this movie is some of the themes that they deal with where they kind yeah. of they flip the themes from a new hope they're, they're like, yeah. they're very, very different. Uh, while some things are similar, you know, in tone and feel and story, they do a lot of like a lot of completely reversing situations and yeah. scenarios. So yeah, I, I didn't really have an issue with that, with the, with the two being no. so similar. Yeah. So Poe's been captured by Kylo and FN2187 has decided he wants to help Poe escape. And this is a fun scene, dude, where they jump into the TIE right. fighter and they're trying to escape in it as it's still tied down in the landing bay. I mean, yeah. this looks so fucking good. This like, they yeah. really, the blacks just looked really, really great in this movie. The base is really shiny black, but the TIE fighters are like a matte black and they look so menacing. Man, I just yeah. imagine those things disappearing in space how do you see one of those oh things, yeah you know all you totally. see is laser yeah. beams shooting at you so yeah. cool Shoot. 
Really, really yeah. like that scene. Yeah, loved it. I, I, I like what I love about Star Wars is space friends. And so you got two people making space friends right now, right at the beginning. They're both great. You know, Oscar Isaac, we know, is just a great actor. John Boyega, also a great actor. Um, they're, the only sort of slight issues I have with the movie are with his character, but I do think he does a good job. I think that John Boyega is a very good actor. So I think that this, like, really... Uh, is really fun, right? Like you said, right at the beginning here, these two playing off each other, super fun. Uh, I love their escape. I love how the TIE fighter looks. I'm not sure we've had like a hero flying a TIE fighter before. So, you know, he like gets in the seat and he's like, oh, I've always wanted to fly this. And you're like, you're thinking that too, right? Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, what oh, is yeah. what is it going to be like for someone else to fly it? It's going to be cool. Um, so yeah, I just, I loved it. I love this part. They continue to build Kylo as a badass because... He knows exactly what's going on at this point as these people are escaping in the TIE fighter here. He remembers Finn from the village and he even calls out his full designation number. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. He just immediately knows. Fuck, so good. So smart. Yeah. And and he gave him a look in the field, like in the battlefield. So it was like he looked and he knew. Like he just knew who that was and then remembered just like that there was going to be a problem or like there could yep. be. He like he can just feel everyone, you know, he can just feel that stormtrooper, you know, maybe, you know, just having second thoughts or going to the light or whatever it is. He just feels that and he knows and he logs it. Yeah. Also, have you ever seen a, a stormtrooper just standing there staring off into the distance? Like not, <laughs> yeah, no. not like not running somewhere to shoot or being somewhere yeah. shooting? Just standing. Just standing. Contemplating yeah, life. Looking off into the distance. <laughs> Contemplating choices up to this point. With blood all over their helmet? Yeah, no. Something to take notice of. Yeah. So Poe lets Finn know that they need to go to Jakku to get his droid who contains a map to Luke Skywalker. So that has me pretty excited. I like that. Their their tie yeah. their tie fighter crashes and Finn thinks Poe's dead. And yeah. Finn is now alone on Jakku until he meets up with Rey. Interesting part here which I think is a subtle hinting towards Kylo's defiance early on where he's speaking with General Hux and he refers to Snoke as Leader Snoke instead of Supreme Leader Snoke. And mm. I do believe it's the only time he doesn't call him Supreme Leader. And it was in a moment where him and Hux are posturing towards each other. So yeah. I, this time around, I saw it as kylo kind of speaking down on snoke and almost letting him know like you better get in your place here hux because one day i'm going to be ahead of this yeah. leader um and hux even corrected him like really quickly on it he's like do you mean supreme leader snoke so but it, there's something very intentional to kylo just saying leader snoke yeah that's cool. I didn't really even notice that. I mean, I remember the dialogue. I remember what you're talking about, but I never thought about that. I never thought that like that he's doing that on purpose. So that's cool. Yeah. So Ray, BB-8, and Finn, they need to escape from Jakku and end up stealing a piece of garbage, Dean, called the Millennium Falcon. This scene's great. It is great. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the Millennium Falcon. If you've listened to these episodes, you probably know. Right. I'm not all that thrilled with it. This is where I finally come around. Hell yeah. Having it show up in the third trilogy just really cemented it as a character for me. And we've talked about it in our Star Trek uh, movie episodes, 
where that ship is a part of the crew. And that's what I'm finally getting from the Falcon here. I don't know why it took me so long. There's probably something wrong with me, but this is where it really <laughs> clicks for me. That the, yeah, the Falcon, totally. they need the Falcon. You have to have the Falcon. It can't be any other ship but the Falcon. And it really, really worked for me in this movie. Totally. I think that the reveal of it is fantastic. I think it couldn't have been done better any other way. Totally. I like I like J.J. Abrams a lot, but I do think he's one of those directors that like I, I don't see his stamp. You know, like I could watch a movie and not if I didn't know who directed it going in, I might not be able to come out and be like, J.J. Abrams movie, just knew it from what I was watching. But there are things that he does so well, and this is one of them. This is like just they're running we have the camera just on ray and finn running and they're like we can outrun it with this ship we don't see anything we don't see any ships we just see them running and then finn says well what about that one just points off into the distance and ray just says no that's a piece of garbage we still haven't seen anything then their ship that they're running towards blows up so they turn to the other ship and she says the garbage will have to do or the garbage will do and they start running towards it and then you see it's the falcon yeah and like even though we know that like luke called it a piece of garbage way back in A New Hope, it didn't register for me. Like, it was just happening so fast that I didn't think when they pointed off and said, you know, what about that ship? Oh, that's garbage. I didn't even think Millennium Falcon. So then we turn, we see it, you know, everyone in the theater applauds. I'm laughing, like, I'm having a good time. Uh, I love the Falcon. I mean, I think I picked it as my favorite ship, so I, I absolutely love it. So this moment was just excellent. You know, it gives me all the good vibes. Yeah. There was no reason for it to be in the movie, so it was a really shocking moment to see it. So they yeah, did a really yeah. good job with that. Uh, also, great point about Abrams and his movies not having like a stamp on them because uh, that's yeah, very they're true. good. Yeah. So great moment after they get away on the Falcon when none other than Han Solo and Chewbacca board the ship and they want it back. And this was an unspoiled moment for me in the movie. I didn't know this was coming, and man, did I love it when those two so good. walked around the corner onto the Falcon. For me, Han and Chewie are absolute necessities in this movie for it to be good, in my opinion. If you take these two out, you have real problems, I think. You can take out... There's things in this movie you can take out. There's characters you can take out. Not Han and Chewie. They have to be here for me. I love Han and Chewie in this movie. Um... And I love a, I love a Harrison Ford playing Han Solo, like yeah. not sleepwalking through it. Like he's done in some roles over the last, you know, few years before this, he's definitely been in movies where he was just collecting a paycheck. So you get a fear that that might happen. Um, and he comes on and just plays Han Solo. Han Solo is back. That was just Han Solo this entire movie. And you knew right from the beginning. So it was so nice. So nice to have them in this movie. I agree. He did Han Solo, but he managed to like retap into the Han Solo that this Han Solo would be. He wasn't just yeah, replaying totally. yeah. the Han Solo from the OG trilogy. Yeah. He actually went through, you know, the study in his mind to, and I'm sure he had direction on this too, but to just like figure out and decide what would this character be like now with everything that's happened? What would he be like? And I just think Harrison Ford, fucking legend, he just crushed this role. Like, yeah. I love him, you know, in, in the OG trilogy. He's just like a great charismatic character. I don't know if his acting is any better than in this movie in the franchise. 
He moves me. Yeah. He moves me it's more in this good. movie yeah. than any of the other ones. Yeah. I like him a lot in the other ones, but I think this is just as good. I think this is just, he's just back tapped into the character. Like you said, he's done the evolution that he needs. He's not just doing the character again. He's He's gone through the 30 years that he needs to go through. And yeah, it's just nailing it with this with, with this Han. Yeah. Great line from Rey where she knows who Han is. Like she's heard of the legend of Han Solo and the Kessel Run. And she says, yeah. he's the one who did it in 14 parsecs. And he gets all grumpy about it. And he's like mumbling to himself as he walks away. He's like, it was 12. It wasn't 14. It was yeah. 12. Which is it's so good. So funny. They're- their whole interaction was good because what I also like about this part is that uh, um, when he says Han Solo, uh, like Finn is like, oh, the like general of the rebellion. And then Ray's like, no, the smuggler. Yeah. Like, they come from different backgrounds, <laughs> totally. right? Like yeah. so to Ray and her life, he's the famous smuggler. Yeah. And to Finn in his life, he's the big general that they need to take down. Like it was so good. I love their both their perspectives. Yeah. Very cool. So we meet Supreme Leader Snoke on Starkiller Base. And my goodness, dude, let's talk about this base for a moment. It is so amazing. Like, I it's love <laughs> it's big. <laughs> That's an it's understatement. Big. <laughs> I don't even understand how it can be this big. Yeah. But I just, I actually really love like the redesign of it. Like, uh, let's be honest here it's a new Death Star, right? They give it a new name, but it's basically a Death Star. But the the original Death Star was so iconic in the way it looked. And they really did a really cool design for Starkiller Base. And I really liked yeah. it. I think it looks fabulous in this movie. One of the best looking things, I think, in the movie is, is Starkiller Base. I like Starkiller Base a lot. Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it's a problem that it's another Death Star because you know what? They brought back the Death Star in the same original trilogy. Yeah, it's <laughs> so fine. Whatever. That's their weapon. It's That's their what they weapon. like to do. They it like works. to make big balls that shoot. So uh, yeah, I I love it. Um, I think it looks. I do. I think it looks great. Uh, it, it's cool that it's just like in a planet. You know, it's this time it's not. I don't think the whole thing has been built by them, right? It's just like a base that's on a planet, but it's like been built into the planet, basically. Um, very cool. Yeah, which is smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't uh, you can't head down one of those channels, one of those corridors, and just drop <laughs> no, you can't. drop yeah. a <laughs> drop a missile into the uh, the weakness of it because it's a fucking yeah, not planet. to the center of the planet. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a great it's a great idea. It's a great like flex on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to fly into the middle of our Death Star and just shoot a missile? Well, here's our workaround. No middle. There's no middle. Yeah, lava center. We took away the middle. What are you going to do now? Lava core. <laughs> What's up now? Yeah, you're just going to burn up in there. <laughs> They've got to go through the planet. <laughs> Sorry, that's a uh, Lost in Space reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hey, we covered Lost in Space. That's why I made the reference, It's a fun episode. Check it out. Now, Snoke is speaking to Kylo and Hux, and he says there's been an awakening. And Kylo says he felt it too. Dean, I have a question for you. Yes. What do you think it's like to sense an awakening? What do you think that feels like? Do you think it's like a tickle? Or is it more like a sharp pain or like a poking? What is what is sensing an awakening feel like? Yeah, I think it's very similar to a uh, a spidey sense, 
Um, well, what's and I that? Think in what the does way, that feel like? Well, so I was going to say in a way that uh, Infinity War showed us, where all the hairs on Tom Holland's arms stood up, all the hairs on Peter Parker's arms stood up. I feel like it's that. It's okay. just like it goes through your whole body, but it's like tingling through your whole body. All the hairs on your body stand up. Okay. You just know it because so I think it's a tickle, you know, a tickle, a tingle. It's not pain, but you know it, you know, it's, it's washing over all of you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So a, a full body tingle. A full body tingle. Like I'm talking leg hairs are standing up, yeah. arm hairs are standing up, even the hairs on your head will stand up a little bit. It's, it's like body. it's like getting goosebumps, but amplified. Amplified, yeah. Amplified goosebumps. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just wondering. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I that's what I think it is. Snoke also drops the bomb here that the droid they're looking for is with Han Solo on the Falcon, and that Han is Kylo Ren's father. Yeah. Nice twist. Mom. Nice twist. That's big news. That's front page news. It's front page news and Snoke just says it like no big deal. Yeah. And Kylo doesn't care. He's like, I don't care that that's my dad. He means nothing to me. Exactly. He um, means nothing. I love Kylo. He means nothing to me. I was really intrigued by Snoke in this movie, but ultimately I find him boring. I feel like they missed a real opportunity with his character because they're like, they're building him up here. And I'm really curious. I'm really interested. I'm like, whoa, who is this guy? He's he's huge. He, he looks weird. He's in control of Kylo Ren. This is really interesting. And then he fizzled out for me next movie for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm same. I don't, I don't care about Snoke. I never did care about Snoke. Like, I'm not even sure in this movie I care about Snoke. I mean, it's cool to have like, a big hologram again that they're talking to. It's cool to have someone that they're talking to. Um, but I never cared, you know, like I just never had like that feeling where it was like, Oh, this guy, you know, this guy's going to be a problem. I was still just focused on Kylo Ren the whole time. Um, so it was, you know, I, I never really, it was never really a big thing when he went to talk to Snoke for me. I was never like into it as much as I was when like, vader talked to the emperor you know the emperor was such a thing it was such this cloud and it was like wow when are we going to see the emperor i never really thought like when are we going to run into snoke i can't wait till we run into snoke i would just forget about him as soon as he was off the screen yeah i mean what intrigued me at the time of seeing this movie was i wondered if this was the emperor i wondered if oh, this yeah, was okay. like his yeah. new like disfigured form from yeah. you know being exploded down yeah. whatever pit he fell down and I thought that that would be pretty cool. Like if this guy, if he actually has a new identity, he's now pulled the veil over everybody's eyes and he's calling himself somebody else. And yeah. that's kind of the thoughts that were going on in my head as I was watching it the first time. And I was very intrigued by that and very curious to see where they were going to go with Snoke and what like mysteries they were going to share with us about him, about where he came from, like what his motivations are. And we really get none of that. No, yeah. So I, I thought just a, felt I let thought down. like a the, yeah. I thought a Darth Plagueis would have been kind of cool. That like he didn't actually die, and he's just been in hiding the whole time. And this was him coming back after the Emperor dies. You know, rising back and collecting his own group. I thought that would have been kind of cool. Um, it but yeah, that was yeah. the only thing I really. That was the only thing I really thought of that I thought I would like. So Ray helps fix an electrical overload on the Falcon by bypassing the compressor. And I really liked this moment because she's been a junker for most of her life. It makes sense that she would know about vehicle, 
it makes sense that she would know about vehicle components and what they can do and beyond that, what they're worth. So I think this didn't work for some people, worked fine for me. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't like saying this, but I think that's dumb if people think it didn't work. Um, it is, it, it completely works. She's the most, she's like the most capable one in the movie. And it's because she knows all this shit. Like she just, she, she knows all the parts. She's a huge nerd. She knows everything about everyone. So, um, you know, yeah, she just, she gets, she like gets to put it into practice. You know, she, her job is to go through these ships, know what parts are yep. and know what they'll sell for because of like what people need in their ships. So she knows everything about ships and uh, it, it just like, it just totally makes sense. Um, I love that she's, you know, so like that she's like driving these types of scenes, you know, that she knows what to do when she's with Finn. She's the one fixing it up. You know, she knows exactly how to do it because she's just been around ships her whole life. I love that that's her thing. Um, so cool. I, I really like Ray in this movie. I feel like like to me, she's like a, a like a Miyazaki heroine. Like it, it really she really reminds me. I know you haven't seen it yet, Tim, but she really reminds me of Nausicaa. Um, just like this same type of thing, just this like scrapper who just knows everything about like flying and and it's it's really cool um really reminded me of her anyways yeah i just i really like ray in this movie yeah i mean they probably pulled influence from that for sure i think for sure yeah she she's very like uh, different motivations and everything because you're in a different world but um very similar yeah now bb8 brings up the luke map and han says it's incomplete and Han says, Luke was training a new group of Jedi, but an apprentice turned against him and destroyed it all. So Luke walked away. And Ray's attention really peaked here to hear about the Jedi. I love this, how she's just so interested. She was so interested yeah. in the story of Han Solo. Now she's so interested in Luke and the Jedi. And Han confirms for her that, yes, the Force and the Jedi are real because they were kind of like um, myths or legends for her. She didn't know for sure. She'd heard the the legends of the Jedi, but she didn't know for sure. So this is a great moment here where Han is confirming that all that stuff's true. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite lines from Daisy Ridley uh, is about this, but it's way before when uh, Finn mentions Luke Skywalker, and she just kind of like leans in and whispers, "She's like Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth." Yeah, you know, it's like she delivers it so well, and that you just see that joy in her eyes that like I'm gonna go on this adventure and I'm gonna try to figure out if these things are real. You know, you're just kind of like being thrown into your favorite story or something. You know, that you're not sure if it's real or not. It's like going to search for the Loch Ness monster or something, and then you like along the way you're like, oh, I think there's I think this might actually be real. There's facts here to back it up. Uh, also cool that Han Solo is delivering that it's real to her because he's the skeptic. Yeah. He's the one that was skeptical about it in the original trilogy, skeptical about the force. And now he's had that growth. It's 30 years later. He says, it's all true. All this stuff is true. Yeah. Yeah. So Han takes them uh, all to meet his friend Maz and Ray finds Luke's lightsaber here and Maz wants to give it to her. But Ray is scared of the visions she saw when she touched it so she does not yeah. want it and i love this part just after this here where han offers ray a job on the falcon uh i just think it's a really great scene because like this is this is what ray wants and you can tell it in her in her eyes and her voice and her her mood here all she wants is a job on a starship like this um but she doesn't take it she's too worried that she'll miss her parents coming back for her, so she declines it. Her parents that left, I don't know, 
10, 15 years ago and have no reason to come back, but she's still clinging to that idea that they're going to come back. I think it's really, really important for us to know how attached she is to her parents uh, and how strongly she's holding on to those memories because we all know like what that can do for you if you become a powerful yeah. person in the force, right? That can uh, that can cause complications. So yeah, and I yeah I think there's a really important line that she gives in this moment um, where she says, "I've already been gone too long." Like so, yeah. it's not even just like I need to go back. I need to get back. She already thinks she's been gone too long by you know just the little time we've already spent in this movie of her being off planet. She needs. She thinks they're coming back any minute. And then, and, and it's been 10, 15 years and she still thinks they're coming back any minute. Um, yeah. So that just really gives you that extra, um, understanding into her always wanting to be back there, always wanting to go back there. You know, she's on the adventure. She wants to be on the adventure, but she wants to be back on Jakku because she thinks her parents are coming back. Yep. We see that Kylo Ren is heavily influenced by his grandfather, Darth Vader. I love it. He even has his mask. That was very cool. <laughs> very cool addition. Very cool. We see General Hux give a rousing speech in front of a great-looking army before shooting the weapon on Starkiller Base. Oh, the more Good visuals speech. here. Oh, great speech. Yeah. Good speech. Everything, Good everything speech. looked great, though. That army yeah. looked amazing out in the, yeah. out in the snow. The fucking Starkiller Base shooting looked amazing. It blows the shit out of something. Yeah, man. About a, about out of a few things. Yeah, that was cool too. It wasn't just a single target, right? It was like multiple targets. Yeah. That was multiple a, planets. Yeah, multiple really, targets, really multiple needs. planets at once. Yeah. So cool, dude. So cool. Um, now Kylo has tracked down Ray to the planet she's on, and all hell breaks loose now. Now, Dean, what did you think about this battle here? Uh, the battle's good. The battle's good. Um, I like uh. So there's lots of things going on. So, the, you know, there's there's basically the uh, the Kylo and Rey stuff that's going on, um, which I, I like. <laughs> okay, so what I like about the Rey stuff first is that uh, Han gave her like a, a blaster and he's like, you know how to use that? And she's like, yeah, I know how to use it. You point and click. And he's like, well, it's a little more difficult than that. And then she, the first time she goes to shoot, it doesn't work because she didn't take the safety off. <laughs> I just thought that was funny, but she like, she knows what she just like, Oh shit, safety, you know, like got to turn the safety off. But mm -hmm. It was funny that she said point and shoot. And it wasn't right. You don't do that. You have to actually do one more thing. There's one more before step. You point and shoot one more step. So I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it, it's cool to see the, um, this is where like the villain and the hero meet up halfway through the movie. That seems to happen, you know, in movies where they just get one face to face and they meet up and, uh, it's, you know, it's a moment where where Kylo is basically has the upper hand the whole the whole time. Um, there's not really much she can do, so it's intense in that way. Um, plus, you have the whole battle happening down on the ground. You got uh, you know, you got X wings coming in from the sky. We finally see that you know Poe didn't die in that crash, and he's back. This wasn't really like. It's interesting. Some of these moments are kind of underplayed, and I think this is one of them. Like the Poe arriving back is is a little bit underplayed. You know, it's not like. Oh, and he's back and you thought he was dead. It's just like, well, he's there now and he's going to help out, um, which I thought was, I, I think it's kind of cool that it's not just like such this, this huge thing that he's back. It's just, we see him in the X-Wing. Um, yeah. So I, I liked the battle. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. They didn't make a huge deal of him being back, like a big celebration. Yeah. But what his return did was he basically saved Finn's life because Finn was about to For get sure. killed because there yeah. are a bunch of uh, TIE fighters buzzing around him and Poe comes in. He shoots five in a row 
And yeah. then Finn's like, like, holy shit, that's a great pilot. Because he basically saved Finn's life. Uh, yeah. So I think in that way, it was a big deal. And it, but it took it takes me many watchings to get there. Like on first yeah. watch, there's just so much going on in that scene that a single X-Wing shooting a bunch of TIE fighters, you're right, it doesn't have a lot of impact. But when you realize exactly what's going on, uh, I think it has it's a bit more impactful. Yeah, and it's good that you brought up that Finn line because that's what drives it home, actually, because he has no idea that that's Poe. He has no idea. Just like he's 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 fixated on this one X-Wing and it goes around, shoots five TIE fighters, and he just says, wow, that's a hell of a pilot. And he's like, he's met one hell of a pilot already. And, it, you know, it's cool that he doesn't even, he still doesn't even know that that's Poe. He just thinks that, wow, that pilot is awesome. It just like, it, it just uh, enhances their like friendship with each other, you know, their love for each other when they are going to meet up later. And he's just gonna be like, wow, that was easy. You? I thought that pilot was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Han Solo still got it here. He's just yeah. pointing and shooting with, with deadly accuracy. I loved that he got to try Chewie's bow. That was it's a really so good, fun yeah. moment. Like, it's just super yeah. powerful. Obviously, Chewie would have a super powerful weapon. Uh, he's got a no-look shot in there. You know, he's <laughs> yeah, shooting, yeah, exactly. He's shooting with his blaster, and he just, like, boom, to the side, not even looking. Yeah. Uh, Finn gets a hold of Luke's lightsaber here. I did not like this. Um, no, I think, no, I just, my comments on the lightsaber will remain the same. I just don't think that someone who's not trained with a lightsaber can pick up a lightsaber and use it. They're going to, yeah. they're going to cut their limbs off. They're going to damage themselves. I, I just don't, I never feel good when someone who hasn't been trained with one picks one up and starts using it. I don't buy it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I see it as he's like weapon trained and he was fighting a guy with a staff with like electricity on the end. So he I feel like he's weapon trained to know how to use weapons. Um, but I, I get it. I get it. I get that. I don't want to be like too dumb about this, but like if you're weapon trained in a sword, that doesn't mean that you could use nunchucks, right? Like they're different weapons. You, you'd have to train in a sword as much as you'd have to train in nunchucks to use it. You know, a sword is different than a knife. You know, you'd have to be trained in a knife to use it. You'd have to be trained in a baseball bat to use it. They're all different. Just because you, like, generically train in weapons doesn't mean you're going to know how to use a specific weapon. So for me, that's a very specific weapon. I never like when someone just picks it up and they're like, hey, I know how to use... I was trained by using a staff. I know how to use a staff. I can spin a staff around, so now I can use a lightsaber. That's not accurate. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. I just hate it. Yeah. I, I just wonder if they even get lightsaber training. Like, why not? They might come across one on the battlefield. Like, I, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know about it. I don't I don't really care about it, but it, I, I understand. I understand that, you know, if you if you pick it up and ignite it, you know, you might cut, a, cut off your arm, own arm. It's a nuisance to me. Let us yeah. know that that's a thing. Let us know stormtroopers train in lightsabers. You know, then, then it's not a problem yeah. for me anymore. But they don't show that to us anywhere. It's it's never a yeah. thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm looking for stupid realism in a sci-fi movie. It's probably... <laughs> At least you probably know that. <laughs> Yeah. I realize. <laughs> look, everybody, I realize I'm asking for too much here. But, but it still bugs it you. It bothers yeah. me. It fucking course, yeah. bothers me. I get it. I and get I'll it. take it to my grave. It's going to be in my That's tombstone. That's good. You should. Yeah. Ray and Ren, um, great moment when they kind of come face to face. You you talked about it a little yeah. bit. But uh, Ren is, is far more powerful than her. He freezes her with the force. Yeah. 
and puts his lightsaber right up to her neck. And you can see the fucking heat coming off of it, Dean. So good. It's like blurring her face out. It's purr is one of the like best sounding things that I can think of. Yeah. Actually, it's not a purr. It's a growl. The, the way his fucking lightsaber growls, dude, I love it. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about his lightsaber just for a second? Yeah, I was about to continue on with his lightsaber. Okay, go. you go then. You, you go. go ahead then. Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, so the two things coming out the side, like absolute chaos. What the hell are you doing? But I love it because that's what he is. He just wants to be so fucking badass. He wants to be so much badder. He wants to be Darth Vader and he can't. He's not Darth Vader, no. but he wants to be so bad. And whenever he's not, he throws a tantrum. So I can just see him <laughs> designing his lightsaber and just being like, oh, it's going to it's gonna be so badass. It's going to have these, <laughs> these fucking bolts coming out the side of it. It's going to look so bad. And it's like, it's why would you have that on your sword? But it does make it look way, you know, it does like it make, make it look sick, makes it look scary, makes it look badass. And I just think it fits his character. Totally, dude. It's such a fucking yeah. cool lightsaber. Did I mention how how fucking great it sounds when it growls? It's the best. Exactly. Yes, um, exactly. This is what I initially thought, though. I think I saw a meme about this or something. But the reason for having those things coming out the side was yeah. that so you couldn't get your hand cut off in a lightsaber battle? Because if you were like, if Ooh, you were cool, clenched, yeah. clenched up against another lightsaber and that lightsaber right. tried to slide its way down to cut your hand off, it would be blocked by, yeah. you know, like that that cross formation. But yeah. that's actually not what's going on here. I think that's just what somebody came up with. I love that idea. Okay. I think it's very cool. Here's what's actually going on with his lightsaber, Dean, is Ren uses a cracked kyber crystal in his lightsaber which generates an unstable blade and the cross-like design is venting out extra power that's being created so I it's just it. a facet of his lightsaber to make it work yeah. yeah that is such a cool idea it's so cool it's so cool a cracked that his kyber crystal, crystal yeah his crystal's wild and it, it puts off you know Bl blasts in all directions so it's got to be vented out the side awesome i love it it's too like it's too powerful like if if he yeah, just contained it in a, in one yeah. a single blade it would explode so he's like i need to vent the energy out somewhere so it's like yeah. pouring out the sides wow love it love it that's like just a really really cool star wars idea i love that yeah yeah so ren grabs ray and he takes her off the planet and Han sees that, and he gets very emotional. Finn also gets very emotional. Now, this is a bit weird, because it seemed like um, like Finn and Ray were uh, up to something. Like, they had a little bit of something going on. Maybe a little bit of a, a relationship forming. And that didn't really pan out to anything. Again, yeah. I think it's, like, part of this, like, they had an idea for where they wanted to go with their relationship. I think they were going to be, like, a, a couple, in this franchise. And then I don't yeah. think they got a good reaction after this movie. So they pivoted and went a different direction because their whole relationship basically like ends after this movie. Yeah. I would say only, I mean, they're still just as tight of friends as they are in this movie in the other movies. This was different I would say though the, in this movie. It, it didn't feel would, like friends. Yeah. It felt like something else was going on. It felt yeah, more like so a romance was brewing to me. Yeah, he, he asks her one time if she has a boyfriend, and I think that's where it is, but that's, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, 
I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know if they, if that's uh, something that was planned. I see that it could be. I, I'm with you. It could have been planned, and it, they definitely didn't go that way. Um, I, I mean, I'm happy they didn't go that way. So same. I'm okay with it, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying that they, they made their bond so strong. Um, Dean, it's going back to my original comments uh, yeah. from earlier on that they made this movie. They kind of like felt out what people thought about it. Then they made changes for the next movie based upon that. But yeah, you know, I've obviously have some beefs if you make your your movie that way. I just don't think that's the best way of doing it. I think that just adds to this this trilogy feeling disjointed. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to put it together because I never thought of their relationship as being disjointed. But now I'm like, now I see it. I I see it now that you're pointing it out that. uh, yeah, maybe they were setting something up here and then they just abandoned it. I mean, um, when I watched when this for go, the first yeah. time, I 100% yeah, thought okay. a relationship was being set up here. I mean, how could you not? And then... I, I didn't, but... He said he says, do you have a boyfriend? How do you not pick up on I know, that? but that was it. Like, that, then, then he dropped it. Like, that yeah, was but they're just always one hugging line. And and like, he... they're, he's going after her, trying... He needs to save her. He's so worried about her the whole time. Like, there's definitely something going on. I know, but she never needs his help. Like, she never needs him. So I, I never, I don't know. I, I never felt like, I always felt like he fe- he thought he needed to be, like, saving in the moment, and she never needed it. And so I just, it, to me, it just felt platonic. Um, I'll just say what I felt the first time, and, and it was that they were they were going to get together. That was where this uh, trilogy was going. Yeah, yeah. We see General Leia and C-3PO land on this planet after the battle. And Leia's theme kicks in. Cool. And damn, man. That theme gets me every time. Yeah, it's a good theme. I do think it's the most beautiful piece of Star Wars music, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I loved seeing her again. Uh, Dean, I want to ask you whether people wanted it or not. Uh, what did you think of the dynamic of having Han and Leia back together in this movie? Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's weird because... You know, they're not together in this movie and we saw the men together in, in Jedi. So, I, I mean, the circumstances obviously uh, make sense. Um, I think it works because they've always, you know, they've been fighting for so many movies and they just kind of get together at the end of the original trilogy. So I think it works to get them back. They're not even fighting, but it's just like they're just kind of getting back to their arguing thing. They're bickering. Um, I think they're bickering. Yeah, they're bickering. I think it was... What I really liked about their relationship together and their their interacting is that Han is like, uh, okay, I'm out of here. You know, here's your new hero. I'm out of this movie. And she's like, no, you're not. You know, you you run away from this too many times. You're sticking in this movie. You're staying here. And I liked that. I felt like I don't know if that could have come from anyone else in the movie than her to tell him, no, you're in this movie. You're staying in this movie. You're getting it done for us. So I, I really liked that part a lot. Yeah, I, I like their relationship in this movie. It was, yeah. I liked it a lot. Uh, they just have great banter back and forth. Um, I think it really worked well. You know, they are where they are in their lives. Yeah. Um, they, you can tell that they like deeply know and understand each other and they know how to push each other's buttons. Um, but they are past their love. Like, well, not, they're not past their love. I think they do still deeply love each other, but they're past like their relationship. They're beyond that. Yeah. They're, Nothing is going to happen to get them back together, and they both know it. I like that twist where that's not a thing anymore, but they don't lose 
exactly what was fun about it in the original trilogy. What was fun about yeah. it was them, like they're jabbing at each other, right? That that was the humor that we got out of it. And they find a way to bring that back in this movie without them even being a couple or, or in a relationship. And I guess in the, you know, for most of the original trilogy, they're not a couple either. You know, that happens like later on in the trilogy, but yeah. Um, or halfway through the trilogy at least, but yeah. Anyways, I, I, I like that. It. I like that though. Yeah. I like what you're saying because it's, it's like, yeah, they got together at the end, but they were like, they're all passion. Right. So then if they, if they just kept bickering at each other, you know, how long is that going to last over the years? You know, maybe they, they ran out, you know, that passion ran out. They had enough of each other. Uh, it's not that they don't like each other anymore. You know, they get along in this movie. Um, so I, I like that too. It's just that together as a couple, they're done. And, you know, that part is over, but they can still come together and, you know, work together um, to try to get, you know, their son back and get this mission going. Yeah. And then the other thing I wonder that they don't really give us much about, maybe their relationship failed because of their son. Like maybe it was something the son did that, you know, put a wedge between them and caused that relationship to crumble. So that's a, another interesting dynamic that they don't dig into, but I think is, you know, there's something behind that. For sure. I think when stuff happens with kids, often uh, the parents have trouble then being, uh, you know, close again, and it usually splits them up. So I, I think it definitely could have, they didn't get it right. They didn't say it directly, but I think it definitely could have had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. So Ren is trying to interrogate Ray, but it's not going all that well. <laughs> I thought that was a little, no, it's not. It's a lot of fun. And he also takes his mask off here. Now, yes. I definitely 100% prefer him with the mask on. I really don't like when his mask is off just for like the way he looks and the sound that his voice makes coming out of that mask. I do understand that when he takes his mask off, we get to see this duality of his character, which I think is a really important thing to see. So I get that it needs to happen and uh i get its importance in the movie and the trilogy but i'm just saying i just like him when he's got his helmet yeah. on. i love that yeah his voice is so cool his helmet is cool uh i like it too i love adam driver so i do love to see his face but uh yeah it it just works so well like you're saying it works so well with the movie you need he is so torn he's he, the duality of his character he is not darth vader so that's why Darth Vader's mask didn't, you know, didn't come off uh, and we didn't see it until the end. Right. But like he is not Darth Vader. His mask comes off because he is still struggling hard with being pulled to the light, being pulled to the darkness. He's in the middle. He wants to be dark. He wants to be all dark. Only, you know, only the dark side wants to be so bad. And he just isn't. Yeah. And he just wants to be. So like he made that mask for himself. He doesn't need it. He made it for himself so he could be a badass. But you know what? I like that it comes off. I like that it comes off in this scene, that he takes it off in the scene with Ray. So now it's like it. the light is in the room, right? And so he ends up taking it off. And now we get to see this duality of like, he's still just trying to be that badass, but he's got that, you know, he's still that person. He's still... He's still Han Solo's son. He's still Ben. And now you get the mask and the face from here on out. And I love it. Yeah. Interesting line from Ray where she says, you're just some monster hiding behind a mask. And that's yeah. what like gets him to take it off. That's the instigating yeah. factor. He he doesn't want to be a monster. Like Darth Vader is a monster behind that mask, right? Kylo Ren's yeah. not. He's He's a normal looking dude. But 
when she says you're just a monster, I think he needs to prove to her that he's not and maybe prove to himself that he's not. But, you know, that's the yeah. way that she's perceiving him while he wears that mask. So I feel like around her, you know, maybe he doesn't want to look like a monster to her. He doesn't want to have her feeling that way. So, you know, he takes it off for that reason. Yeah, I think also maybe he's like, yeah, my mask is for intimidation, but like my face is for intimidation too. Like maybe he's just like, I'm I'm the dark side. Like even my face is the dark side. I don't need to I don't need to hide behind the mask. I can just be bad with with just my face. Yeah. Uh so Ray uses the old Jedi mind trick on a stormtrooper to escape here, which I find very interesting. How does she know about that? Uh, I don't know. She seems to know about the myth of Luke Skywalker. So she, maybe she knows all about these things. This is curious. I didn't really want to gloss yeah. over this. I wanted to dig into this one a little bit because why would she know about the Jedi mind trick or, and okay. So knowing about it, knowing that it's a thing is one thing, but being able to pull it off is another. Um, I thought it was all very interesting. I think the first kind of like direction I leaned was like, Oh, maybe it's genetics. Like sometimes the force could be passed down genetically and you can, you know, you can use the force without really knowing about it. But this was a Jedi mind trick, which doesn't make sense that Ray would have that passed down genetically. So this is something that is very interesting to me. The fact that she can do, she knows and can do what a Jedi mind trick is. I think, yeah, I think she knows all about it. Like she knew about the island that Luke is on. She knows what that is. She, or, or she knows that like the, the, uh, the rumor is that he went to this island where the, you know, where something, I can't even remember where like the Jedi texts are or something, you know, this island where something was, and she knew exactly what it was when the island was named. Like she is like a nerd. She's a Jedi nerd. She just knows all the stuff. So I think she probably heard stories about the mind trick and heard stories about things you could do. And then I think she was just trying it out because, you know, she's been kind of having, you know, some of these forced things happening maybe. So she was trying it out. And I think that's why it took a couple times because she just said the words, maybe it didn't work. So then she thought about it harder or whatever. Like, I, I think that's why it wasn't on the first try that it worked. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. do. Do you know who this stormtrooper was? Uh, no, was it somebody? Yeah, Daniel Craig. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. No way. If you watch it again, you'll recognize his voice as oh, Daniel Craig. that's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. Apparently he was filming just like on the set next door or whatever. And they were just like, hey, want to want to be in the Star Wars movie? And he's like, hell yeah. Yeah, because this was uh, shot at Pinewood Studios, which is a UK um, studio. Okay. So he's yeah. probably shooting, probably shooting Bond. Bond. It was probably a Bond movie. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, I really do think that Kylo's mind probe uh, really opened up her um, yeah. her ability to get in touch with the Force because right after that, she's able to pull off this Jedi mind trick. So actually, maybe, maybe that was even something that Kylo knew how to do. And yeah. with his mind probe, that didn't work. And she kind of got into his mind. Maybe she, she yeah. picked it up out of his brain. Maybe that's totally, how she knew yeah. how to do it. 
I actually had or even just being that. able to affect his brain in that moment. She now has like something to pull back on yeah. when she's like, okay, I need to, I need to ask him to get me out of this chair. How do I do it? And maybe it just yeah. took a couple times for her to like push into that mind like she did with Kylo. Actually, that makes a lot of sense now. I don't think I have an yeah. issue with this anymore. Yeah. I love when we just discuss things and then I get, get an there. answer. Yeah, we get there. Yeah. Han, Chewie, and Finn go after Ray at this base in the mountains, which I love so much. I just think it looks so great. This this yeah. beautiful, glossy black and white base carved into the mountain. Uh I can't state enough how much I love this base. I really wanna just hammer that home. It's just one of my favorite it looks good. One of my favorite bases. I love things in the mountain. I love things carved into mountains. Yeah. And then just how great this base actually looked. It was just, oh, it was, it was fantastic. Snow also looks great. And trees, love me some trees. There's lots on this base. Um, I, I agree. It looks awesome. I like the mix of nature and then like the really clean like design of the empire. Like normally we're out yep. in space and you can have that yep. very like clean, you know, environment of a spaceship or space station. But the fact that they're here on a planet and there's nature around, but then it just like transitions into this technology that they have. It's a really great juxtaposition for me. I think it's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they they find Ray really easily. She's not having any problems. She's like escaping on her own. Uh, they decide to lay some explosives down. They want to blow this whole place up. And Han is reunited with his son, Ben Solo. And obviously, you know, one of the best scenes in this movie. I like it a lot because it fooled me when I watched it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I should have seen it coming, Dean, because the only yeah. way Harrison Ford was coming back to Star Wars was to be killed off as Han Solo. Like that was what he always wanted. So the fact that he came back in this movie, I should have seen it coming. I should have known that yeah. he's going to get killed in this movie. But this moment, they're acting. Uh, I believed it wouldn't happen. And that's what made it so good. But sure enough, Ren kills Han. Yeah, I... It fooled me too. Same thing. I'm like, I should have saw it coming because of Harrison Ford. And so like on, on every rewatch I've had since that first time, you notice that Chewie is so far away and just watching it on the catwalk. Then, you know, then Finn and Ray walk in and they're even further away. Whenever you have to watch at a distance like that, some you're good. Well, you're watching someone die. Someone is dying and you are watching it. We should have known, but it fooled me. I thought for sure, as it's happening, I'm like, he is going to talk him out of this. Like, he is going to talk him off this catwalk, and they are going to go home together. Whatever it is, it's not going to be what we got. It's not going to be Ren stabbing him through the chest, thanking him for allowing him to become pure evil, and which I don't think it did. I think, I think Ren is trying to become pure evil. He's doing this because he thinks this will do it. And I think it still doesn't do it. Um, and then <laughs> we, he just falls. Hansel falls and is dead. Should have seen it coming. Yep. Um, I like that they played with the theme where the son kills the father instead of the son saving the father. Yep. I like that. And dude, man, go back and watch this scene again or next time you watch it. 
they do such a great job of lighting Kylo's face in this scene with red and blue. Um, for me, like symbolically showing that he's torn inside between yeah. the good and the and the bad. It's even like there's even 75% red to 25% blue. Like he's not split down the middle. He is leaning yeah, yeah. to the dark side. But I think cool. in this moment, he's undecided. I, I don't think he's just fucking with Han being like, no I really want, I'm just really going to manipulate you here and then kill you. I don't think he knows what he's going to do. I think he doesn't want to kill him. I think when he's saying like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I think that is putting the lightsaber down and going with Han. And he really yeah. wants to do that, but he can't because he's just, he's too far to the dark side. Um, just a really, really pure moment of conflict for him. Um, and and yeah. he, he loses to the dark side. So yeah. really, really great scene. It, it looks beautiful. It's very emotional. They fooled us, Dean. Uh, it's very yeah. moving. We see Leia off, you know, at the resistant base. She feels it. She senses Han dying. Yeah. Um, really, really impactful. Really, really powerful scene. Chewie sees it happen and lets out like his death cry. Like his best friend for for sure, forty yeah. years or fifty years is dead now. Yeah. Um, he lands a one of his uh, crossbow blasts on Ren. Just a great, great scene. It's a great scene. I'm with you. There's no way. There's no way Kylo Ren is fucking with him here. He could have just taken out his lightsaber and stabbed it through his chest if he was, because you know Han was just not armed at all, not trying to do anything. If he wanted to, he could have just stabbed him right away. There's no reason to mess with him. He was handing over his lightsaber. I believe he was handing over his lightsaber, and he couldn't do it. He took it back. The dark side like took over him. He took it back. He ignited it, and then he felt. You know, he, he, the, the dark side won there. He felt like the dark side had won over there, but he's still, I think he's still clouded and he's still fogged in that moment because he doesn't see that shot coming. Chewie lets out the yell and shoots like he's stopped a blaster with his mind already. He's not even focused on it at all. I think, I think he is just still caught up in that moment that just happened. He's so focused on that moment being the one that's going to allow him to be bad now. And he doesn't see that blast coming and it hits him right in the stomach. Yep. And the last thing Han does is he just caresses yeah. Ben's face. Um, yeah. And, you know, actions speak louder than words. I think that's better than hearing Han say anything. Sure. Uh, sure. When I was watching it this time around, I'm like, oh, yeah, Han says something really, like, moving here. And he didn't say anything. He just touched his face and caressed his yeah. face. And I was like, wow. Totally. That's, yeah. uh, that's more impactful than him saying something and yeah he just falls falls off the edge really really yeah. beautiful scene i'm yeah. glad this is where we lose han solo because this is just the most beautiful moment that you could give this character you know him not coming out of carbonite back in you know jedi <laughs> yeah, would have sucked yeah. that would have sucked would have yeah, been a terrible sucked, yeah. way for him to go yeah uh, i can't think of a better way than this it was just it was really earned for me i I appreciated it because they worked for it and it, it happened in a moment that made sense and a moment that fooled me. 
uh, I just think this scene in particular was like really great writing and really great storytelling. Yeah, great way for him to go. He put in an uh, incredible performance in a lead role, in a role where he is top build and should be top build. Even though he doesn't come into the movie for a while, he then is in all of the movie after that with most of the, you know, driving force behind it. Like Daisy Ridley obviously is the lead of the movie, but she is unknown at this time, you know, so she's not the top build. She'll be the top build by, you know, by the end, but that's not what you get in your first, in your first movie. So top build for him and he gets to, he, his death gets to um, give us more depth on a character in the movie. You know, it, it, it aids in another character's battle between his good and evil side. So it's not just a needless, mindless death. It is something that also enriches another character in the movie. So perfect death. Yep. So Ray and Finn try to escape through the snowy forest, but Ren is there waiting. He beats Finn in a lightsaber battle then tries to use the force to pick up Luke's lightsaber, but instead Ray uses the force to pull it towards her and they have a lightsaber fight. And one thing that I notice at this point is that I've really, really enjoyed that this movie hasn't held too long on any particular scene. Uh, yeah. All the scenes, you know, even the action scenes are all pretty short and pretty tight. There's no elongated scene that I have to complain about. So hats off to this movie for not doing that. Yeah, that's a, I, th- I feel like that's a JJ thing. I think he cuts a lot during his like action and stuff. Um, and I think with his style, it works because he's got fast moving movies and he makes those scenes, those action scenes, those chase scenes, he makes them fast. He makes them, he makes them happen quickly. He cuts often so that he can get to the end of them so we don't have to spend too much time in them. Yeah. So in this lightsaber battle that they're having, uh, looks like Kylo is going to win, but Ray is able to tap into the force kind of deeper than she's ever been able to before. And she's able to sit Kylo down by landing a couple of lightsaber blows. Mm-hmm. And then they're separated as the, um, this base that's exploding because they've planted ex- explosives. It's blowing up the base, but it's also like blowing up the planet at the same time. So this giant rift in the land like separates the two of them. Yeah, really, really great. We see General Hux go to Snoke. And we learn here that giant Snoke is a hologram. And I would have much rather him just be a giant. I think that would have been really fucking cool and really done a lot for his character. You know, just just for me appreciating his character, like keep him as a giant. I agree. A giant would have been awesome. That would have been especially awesome. the way the way he looks. Like we don't know what he is. We don't know what like kind of species there is or whatever. If he was that big, yeah, just sitting on a throne that big would rule. A that giant awesome. Sith like that. That would have been so yeah. fucking cool. And then yeah. whatever you move to the next movie and people have to have a like a fight with him. I just think that would have been. That's what I thought he was. While this was all going on, I thought he was a giant. Like, I thought he was that big for a while. Then we kind of see him, like, flash and disappear at this point. And I'm like, oh, he's not that big. Well, what? Okay. He's probably just normal, and they just, like, enhance the hologram. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing while I was watching it the first time. I was like, wow, this guy's, yeah, who's this huge guy? And, uh, yeah, by the end, yeah, I think maybe that's it. Maybe that's what why I lose my interest is just by the end when it's just the hologram and I'm like, oh, he's probably regular size. Then I just sort of lose my interest because it was so invested on him being this huge thing. Yeah. I want giant troll Sith. 
That's what I, I want. I want giant troll Sith too. Giant troll Sith would be awesome. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. Man. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I want that too. Chewie is in the Millennium Falcon. He goes and he picks up Ray and Finn as the planet implodes on itself. Then back at the Resistance, we see R2-D2 come back online. And R2 has the missing piece of the map to get to Luke. And when put together with BB-8's map, the path to Luke is now in front of them. So Ray, Chewie, and R2 head out in the Falcon. They find the planet. They find Luke. In an amazing moment that everybody wanted to see, Ray offers Luke his lightsaber back and the end. Luke looks, looks awesome. He looks so good. He looks this is what so it, great. I was so, so pumped up at this moment. Yeah. This is what I want Luke to look like. Um, it was perfect. It was excellent. Uh, I really like the ending. I like that we got there because I remember being in the theater and, and thinking flying away on the Millennium Falcon is going to be the end of the movie. We're cutting there. That's the end of the movie. Yep. I like that we kept going and I was like, oh, okay, more movie. All right. We walked up the steps. We got to actually see Luke. I love that we ended on that. It's great. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's what I wanted. I definitely wanted to see Luke in this movie. And yeah, it is a, it's, a, it's a good payoff. Like, yeah. give it to us. Don't save it for the next movie. You know, we sat through your movie. Give us Luke. We earned yeah. it. We deserve it. Give us it. Luke. Show us Luke. Um, I like that they didn't do it before this. You know, I like that they save it for the end because... Same, yeah. If it happens at any earlier moment, then I'm not really going to be caring too much about what else transpires in the movie. All I'm going to be thinking about is Luke Skywalker and how cool it was to just see him. So I love yeah. that the last thing we do is to see him. And yeah, that's totally. how we end. Yeah. And then we have to wait, you know, however long until the next movie comes out. Yeah. Wondering what's going to happen. You know, he doesn't even yeah. say anything. You know, you no, just have not to, a word. You have Love to it. read in his eyes what yeah. he's feeling seeing Ray there, you know? Yeah. So good. What did you, um, what did it, you think? What did you think if like, if Luke Skywalker was to say something to Ray or, you know, emote something about her being there with his lightsaber. When you watched the movie the first time, what did you think was going to happen? Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, what I see in his face. Like, I, I see he looks like badass. He looks awesome. Um, he's been trying to hide, right? Like, he's hiding. There's a map to him that someone has found and someone has got there. I feel like just a deep breath, you know, is like an, an exhale is what I feel like's coming out of him. You know, that he's just like, it's all come to this. You know, sometimes, sometimes you're off and you, you, you need to be alone because you need to get to your, do your own thing. But then when someone comes, it's just like, okay, you know, uh, breath out and then, okay, let's go. Let's see what the next thing is. Why are you here? I think maybe he might've, I don't actually know. He, he gives such a good, like blank performance that I don't know what he's thinking. But did you not have, like, when you watched it the first time, did you not, it, like, investigate in your own mind what he might be thinking or, like, where the, mo where the movie might be going? It just, yeah, I don't know. It seems so heavy, you know? It just, like, it seems like such a heavy moment because he's hiding that I thought maybe, you know, maybe he would... You know, I, I just thought he would, like, wonder. He would... The question would be, like, what's going on? Like, he doesn't even know what's going on out there, right? So... It would be, for me, it would be like, who are you? 
and what's happening even. Okay. You know, like he, he would be, he would be curious about why she's there, who she is. He doesn't even know who she is. And she's this, this woman holding this lightsaber out to him. He has no idea who she is, how she found him. It could even be, how did you find me? It could even be that. I just, I, I feel like he didn't think anyone was coming. That's what, that's what I thought, what I got off of him. He didn't think anyone was coming and he's wondering why now. Hmm. I guess I world build in my head a bit more than you do. Because yeah, what do you got? I, I for sure, like as soon as it happened and I was just like, oh, like I, I needed to figure out for myself what was going to yeah. go on or what was going to happen. So I, you know, formulated ideas. I definitely thought that what he was doing was like hiding away because he did see himself as very powerful. I thought he was hiding away until it became so imperative that he got back in the fight that he left that map so that when the time came, if it was important enough, they would be able to find him. And then if anybody ever made it to him, he would realize that whatever ha is happening out there is so important, so imperative that he would then pick up the fight once again. So I, mm -hmm. I pictured when Ray was bringing him this lightsaber, he was going to be like, okay, here's my lightsaber. Like what's, what's the problem? What's going on? And she would just say like Kylo Ren, Snoke, and he would kind of get back into the battle. So uh, that's obviously spoiler alert. That's not what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, not immediately at least, but yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. So that, okay, I, yeah. I loved yeah, the yeah, ending, and I love that they just left it open like that because I got to For just sure. sit back and think, you got like, to do your thing. I got yeah. to do my thing. I got little my little brain got you know, the the gears started turning and I'm like, what, what is this all about? And I liked, uh, I liked nice. where I got with it. I thought that would have been nice. pretty cool if he just jumped yeah. right back into action, but that's not what happened. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really keep going like that, uh, past endings of movies. I just let them, let them happen. But so all I took was him in that moment. And all I knew about that moment is that he ran away, um, because of Kylo turning evil. And so for me, it was hesitation but then, but then maybe joining, you know, joining the fight. But I, I felt hesitation at first and then maybe positivity after that. All right. Time for our movie rankings. Cool. Dean, do you want to go first? I'm very interested to see where you place this movie. Yeah, I'll go first. First, I just want to say a few things. Yeah, sure. Just quickly. Go ahead. Yeah. Quickly about uh, just about the characters quick, because there's a lot of characters I liked in this movie. I, I do like the building of the new characters. So I, I really like Ray a lot. Like I said, Miyazaki heroine to me, which is just like kind of my favorite type of character. I just love Miyazaki movies. So um, really liked her, really attached to her. I like the torn Kylo Ren. Um, I like the that he's, you know, in between. He wants to be so bad, but he's good. Um, or not that he's good, but he wants to be so bad. And so he's just like forcing himself to be. Uh, BB-8, I thought was a good addition to the droid. I thought BB-8 was very funny. So uh, getting to Finn, um, I think John Boyega was very good. I think there's, for me, inconsistencies in the character where if I love the idea of the stormtrooper that doesn't want to be a stormtrooper. I think that was a great start. I think that's a great character to follow. But then I didn't quite get, you know, a lot out of him. You know, like, why didn't he care more about his fellow stormtroopers? Like, if he was trapped in that situation, why didn't he feel like more of them were trapped in that situation? Like, he was totally fine killing them all, never had a second thought about them. Um, so I was wondering what that was about. I do like that he's always trying to run away because 
that's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to get away. He's trying to get away from the First Order. But I just thought there could have been something else in there about, you know, sympathy towards some of the other stormtroopers. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, I love Poe and I love, uh, obviously, Han Solo and Leia. So a lot of the characters in the movie I absolutely loved. And uh, I just found a little bit of inconsistencies in Finn. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. The thing with Finn is why why did he have that moment where he's like, it, it kind of seemed like he snapped out of something. But aren't yeah, stormtroopers yeah. just soldiers? Like, yep. this isn't a clone trooper that like something affected no. him and, and his like programming snapped. A stormtrooper is just a, supposed to be just a person. So why would he like have this weird... It was like this mix of a stormtrooper and a clone trooper. So I'm not really sure what was going on there, but. Well, yeah. So they, they said that the stormtroopers, like he was taken from his parents at a young age as a kid. And just, as he said, as we all are, and just trained to be a fighter. And then that was his first battle. And when he was in his first battle and he saw everyone shooting and killing and all that stuff was happening around him, he's like, nope, not going to do it. So it did seem like a snap out moment, but it was actually his first time doing it. And he decided that he didn't want to do it. So I like it. I really like the story. I really like the idea of the stormtrooper angle. I just, I, I thought there would be some sympathy, you know, something towards his fellow stormtroopers where he would have maybe tried to get a friend. Maybe he had a friend there and he'd try to get the friend out too. I don't know. I just, uh, if something, something was a little off, even though I, I enjoyed him a lot in the movie, something was off. Yeah, that would have that been cool if he tried to get a friend. Yeah, just something. Yeah, I like Ren too. Ren, Ren is growing on me a lot. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. I may have ranked him as one of my least favorite characters uh, yeah, in our in our yeah. warm up uh, episode. Yeah. That is change for sure. Okay. He's, yeah, I've cool. like really come around to him. Yeah, Ray's fantastic. Daisy Riddle does Ray's an great. amazing job. I love Oscar. second movie. I think is yeah. amazing. I love Oscar Isaac, one of my favorite actors. Fucking hate Poe. I hate the character. Okay, Poe. that's fine. Yeah. Um, He's got a lot of energy. I don't even need him in this movie. I, yeah. I think they did like a terrible injustice to like Poe, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I really like Hux. I think he does a great job. I love oh, that character. Yes. Great yes. actor, great performance, great, great job. Obviously, Han and Leia are great. Uh, not a big fan of BB-8. Don't, don't really love like BB-8. him. Love, love 3PO, love R2, love Chewie, uh, love Luke. Yeah, of course. Love Luke. Second build, Mark Hamill. Second build. Didn't say a word. I also love uh, Ogre um, Snoke. I love Ogre Snoke. Ogre Snoke, yeah. <laughs> huge, giant Snoke is one of our favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Not really a fan of Moz. Didn't really care for Moz. Oh, I, I liked Moz. And then she, you know what? She won me over right away with Where's My Boyfriend. That, that line funny. is great. That's funny. That line's great. So she won me over right away. Yeah. Cool. All right, Dean, get to your rankings. Okay. Uh, are we? I, I always forget. Bottom to top or top to bottom? Bottom, bottom, to, top. bottom to top. You got to save the uh, excitement. Save it. Yeah. For last. Save it. Okay. Okay. Um, at the bottom. Star Wars Episode 2, Attack the Clones. Uh, episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Solo, A Star Wars Story. Here we go. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Slotted underneath Rogue One. Um, but ahead of Solo, A Star Wars Story. So in between those two extra stories. Uh, then, so we got Rogue One, then Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Cool. Okay. I have, uh, number nine, I have Solo. Number eight, I am putting this movie, The Force Awakens. Number seven, The Phantom Menace. 
number six, Attack of the Clones. Number five, Return of the Jedi. Number four, A New Hope. Number three, Revenge of the Sith. Number two, Rogue One. And number one, The Empire Strikes Back. I really enjoyed this movie, but it just doesn't surpass the original trilogy for all of the Jedi's and the Sith that we were given in that trilogy. This movie doesn't quite have that same action. And for that reason, it is below the OG. No, sorry, the, the, this, the, not the OG, the prequel trilogy. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Yeah. It's the, the prequel trilogy. That's why it's behind uh, cool. the prequel. Yeah. Good list. I love it. All right. Everybody listening, if you'd like to support us here at Talking Back, please head over to patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast. You can support us for as little as $2 a month, and we would really appreciate any support that you'd give. And now that this episode is over, don't worry. Just head on over to bfopnetwork.com for one of the other podcasts in our nostalgia-based network. There's all sorts of great content over there. There is something for everyone Go check it out. Dean, thank you for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.